to the Icon Church podcast. Icon Church is one church in five locations. Our vision is human flourishing. We pray that this podcast helps you to flourish in life. For any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, Happy New Year, if I've not already said Happy New Year to you. And uh, thanks for your response. Happy New Year back, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we are launching a new series. This is the 33rd year that I've done a new series in this church at the beginning of a year. This is the 33rd New Year series. And uh, this series is called AIM. And uh, we're going to do the first part. We're going to do four weeks in all locations, because I want to set the tone for our year ahead. I want to set the tone for us moving forward. I want to set our aim. You know, it's a new year. It's an iconic year, 2020. And lots of churches will be talking about 2020 vision, or they might even have a tagline like our tagline. It's time for 2020 vision. But you know, it's not just a new year. It's a new decade. And already as leaders, we've sat down and we've been thanking God for the 10 years that we've previously had. You know, 10 years ago, our location in Sheffield, our location in Derby didn't exist. We had one service 10 years ago this weekend, six services across the life of our church. We're just thankful to God. And sometimes when you're in it, when you're in the midst of it, it doesn't seem that remarkable. But when you look at what God can do, over a 10-year period. And so I think at the beginning of a new year, but also at the beginning of a new decade for us as individuals and us as a church to set our tone and to set our vision is super, super important. 2020 vision. I'm sure many of you have seen one of these. I'm sure you've all seen one. And uh, let me explain 2020 vision. 2020 vision is this line that's underlined in red. And basically what that means is that at a distance of 20 feet, it's not perfect vision, but it's good vision, normal vision. At a distance of 20 feet, you would be able to read that line. And I can. But of course, it's much bigger than the one you get in the opticians, isn't it? But 2100 vision means that a person who has 2020 vision can read that line at 100 feet. And if you have... 20, 100 vision, you have to stand 20 feet to read that line. If you've got 20, 200 vision, then you're in trouble. <laughs> 2020 vision, it's not just about clarity, the clarity to be able to read that line, but it's also about distance. How far can you read it? And I think as we think about a new year and we think about a new decade, we want to have some clarity regarding what's ahead, but we also want to be able to see with some distance. Because one of the things that studies have shown is that we can overestimate what we can achieve in a year, but we underestimate what we can achieve in five years. As I said already, we've looked back 10 years and, and what we've been able to achieve in 10 years, we, we could have never done that in one year. And we would have maybe never thought that we would have been able to achieve that. So I'm excited about this series because uh, I've been preparing it for about four months and we're diving into some words of Jesus where I think what Jesus is doing is wanting to give us a clarity of vision, but also being able to see into the future and see our aim. See, because I think this is what Jesus came to do. 
He came to give us the, a right direction. He came to help us to aim right in our future. You know, I, I kind of picture Jesus stood behind you and me and sometimes having to put His hands on our shoulders and turn us so that we're aimed in the right direction. Sometimes it's just a little nudge that we need from Jesus. At other times, He has to grab us tight and hold and say, come on, let's step across this way. Because aiming in the right direction is so important. You know, just one degree off, if you and I were to aim for the moon, to fly to the moon, and we were just one degree off, then we would end up the distance of two moons away. That's how far. If we were to aim at the sun and just be one degree off on our journey, well, we'd burn, but, but we'd be four point something million miles away from that. And a pilot in our first service told me this morning that if you were one degree off flying a plane, it actually takes you two degrees to get back because you fly on a triangle, because you're flying distance, you're actually moving more than one degree away. So actually to get back takes two degrees. So good. I believe what Jesus came to do is give us direction, give us aim. And I think sometimes we can think of that as general. He wants to kind of point us as human beings in the right direction. Maybe that's what most of the world thinks. But I think you and I think more specific, that Jesus wants to be a little bit more specific and places and directors in the right place. And so this week, I just wanna start, I wanna start with these words of Jesus that we're gonna dig into over the next four weeks. But I want to start with this thought, don't aim low. That God would say to us today, when it comes to thinking about the year ahead, coming about aiming our life, aiming our future, aiming our families, aiming for the decade ahead, don't aim low. Let's read some words of Jesus. They're in Matthew chapter six, verses 25 to 34. And for people who've been around church, these are quite familiar words. <clears throat> Jesus says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than these? Did you catch that? You're more valuable than all those birds that God seems to look after. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. Or as the King James Version, my preferred version of this phrase says, consider the lilies of the field. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more? You know, if, I, if we were in America now, I might just say, you know, just nudge your neighbour. I'd say it in an American accent as well. Nudge, nudge your neighbour and say, will he not much more clothe you? But seek first. Uh, sorry. Much more clothe you, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans... Your neighbours run after these things, but your heavenly Father knows you need them. So seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of his own. Some people, when they hear these words, they think it's hippie Jesus. You know, this is Jesus with his long hair and his bandana, you know, and his flower shirt. And they've got this picture of hippie Jesus who's saying, don't worry, man. You know, leave the rat race, bro. Rage against the machine. Peace. They think it's hippie Jesus, but I think Jesus is doing much more than that in these verses. I think he's aiming us. And he's seeking to aim us at the right things and seeking to tell us not to aim low, but to aim for something greater and to aim for something higher. And as we think about a new year, but also a new decade, 10 years ahead, I think Jesus wants to aim us so that we're headed in the right direction. You know, think about how old you'll be in 10 years. In the first list, somebody sort of whispered, I'll be dead. Well, let, let's leave that option to God, all right? <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let's leave that option on the table, but leave it to God. But let's think about being alive in 10 years. Think about how old you will be. But I want to tell you, that's not a dreaded thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing. If you start, now I start this decade aiming in the right direction. Whatever age that is for you is going to be a good age. Yeah. Oh, thanks for your enthusiasm. <laughs> Whatever age that is for you is going to be a good age because you aim in the right direction. You know, uh, aiming in the right direction is so important. Imagine aiming at the wrong thing for 10 years. Wrong thing for 10 years. Let me show you this picture. This is a guy, his name is Matthew Emmons. And for a period of time, he was by far the world's greatest rifle shooter. He's an Olympian and a world champion. And he was, uh, you know, winning everything. Uh, for, a, for a period of time. This picture is taken at the 2004 Athens Olympics. And uh, they'd done the, uh, you know, some disciplines with the rifle shooting and they were coming into the final round. And Matthew was so far ahead. He was so much better, so much sharper than anyone else that actually all he had to hear, by the way, if you can't see it, we've got a target here on the stage just for these next four weeks. All he had to do was hit the target. All he had to do was get his bullet somewhere in the target. I mean, he's normally hitting bullseye, but he's just got to hit the target in 2004. And so he lifts his rifle and he takes aim and he waits. Because like most of the top rifle shooters, he can slow his heart rate right down. And then fire between the beats. So there's no jerk and there's no judder. And he does, he waits. His heart rate slows down and he fires between two beats of his heart. And as he looks through the sight, he's hit the bullseye. But this picture is showing you the moment when he looks up and he realises he's hit the wrong target. And instead of ruining the gold medal that day, I believe he became last. The next 10 years, I believe, is a, a great opportunity. But it's a great opportunity for us to aim at the right thing. We don't want to be one degree off. We don't want to be two degrees off. We want Jesus to orient us. We want Jesus to nudge us. We want Jesus to position us so that we can aim at the right things. And we know that aiming well matters. In Mark 8 and verse 36, Jesus says this, what does it profit a man if he was to gain the whole world but forfeit or lose his own soul? 
Sometimes we think that that means about, you know, gaining all kinds of stuff in life, but missing eternity. But I think Jesus is talking about something different here. He's actually talking about what would it be to gain so much in this world, but to miss the purpose, the calling that God has for your life, the reason that God has you in, on the planet, the reason that He saved you, the reason that He's called you, the reason that you're here today. We can miss that if we don't aim right. Aim matters. Consider the lilies of the field. When Jesus says, don't worry, Behold the fowls of the air, King James Version. Or consider the lilies of the field. Jesus is telling us, don't aim low. Don't just aim at the things that everybody aims at. Food and clothes and all of that stuff. Your father's got that in hand. Don't be so focused on those things that you miss the things that God has for you. Don't aim low. You know, our ability as humans to aim low is legendary. It starts the moment we start. As soon as our history starts, we don't aim high, we aim low. Look at Adam and Eve. They thought they were aiming high. They'd been told by the serpent, you'll be like God. You'll get to decide what's good and what's evil. They thought that was a high aim, a high ambition. But they were only to discover that that's not a worthy target. It's not a good target. They thought they were aiming high, but God had something greater for them. And their low aim, meant that they missed their purpose and they destroyed every relationship they had. They destroyed their relationship with God. They destroyed their relationship with others. And they also destroyed their relationship with uh, the world. Our ability to aim low is legendary. What about Noah, the next story in the Bible? In fact, the first 11 chapters, I think, of Genesis, if they're telling us anything, they're telling us that our ability to aim low. What about the flood story in Noah? Imagine, imagine humans being so wicked, so wicked and aiming so low that a rescue plan has to be put in place so that a few can be escape the wickedness of the many. Imagine that. Our ability to aim low is legendary. They, they were aiming low, low indeed. The Tower of Babel, it's the same story, aiming low. What about Romans 3 and verse 23 when we get into the New Testament? The Apostle Paul writes this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The, the word sin means to miss the mark. For all have missed the mark and falls short of the glory of God. They aimed wrong, they got it wrong. And Paul's picture is an archery picture where like, we can aim with our life to hit God's glory or to hit <clears throat> God's standard. And no matter how hard we try, our efforts always fall low. We fall short of God, we fall short of God's standard. And often we think about this in terms of God's holiness and God's righteousness and His morality, but I think it's more than that. Because we could never hit that anyway, unless we were God. We can never be as holy as God. We could never be as righteous as God anyway. We could never be that holy, never be that righteous. This sin causes us to miss the mark, to miss the purpose, to miss the goal, to miss the calling that God has for our life. We could say it like this, it causes us to miss God's will, the aim that Jesus has for us. We fall short of God's glory. What an incredible thing to think that God's glory is the purpose and calling He has for your life. What an incredible thing to 
Think about that. That's the glory of God. But to fall short of it is to miss that calling. So as we delve into these words, I want us to think today just about this thought, don't aim low. As we get into this series, I want us to unpack the words of Jesus over the next few weeks. And I just want to start today around this theme with two things that I believe Jesus wants us to know. Two things that he wants us to know. Here's the first. Number one, numero uno, direction trumps intention. Direction trumps intention. I'd forgotten uh, Jeannie's story until she told us earlier about her niece's wedding where she had every intention of turning up at the right church in the right village for her niece's wedding. But her direction, she's, not, she's directionally challenged Jeannie, by the way. Her, her direction meant she ended up at a different church in a different place. You see, she had every intention of going to the niece's wedding. I think they got there in the end somehow. They, 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 they had every intention, but direction trumps intention. The story I was going to tell about Jeannie was the fact that um, she used to be a trainer for Sainsbury's, Sainsbury's supermarkets. There are other good supermarkets that you can acquire goods from. But Sainsbury's supermarkets, she used to be a trainer. She got so good at it. She was here in their Chesterfield store. She got so good at it that they made her a trainer for the whole region. And so they used to send her to different places and she'd come home on a Friday and she'd have instructions about where she was to go on a Monday. And she would always say to me, This would happen every single Monday. She would say, Paul, do I get onto the M1 going north or do I get onto the M1 going south? To which I would ask her, well, where are you going this week? And she would say, Dewsbury. And I was so tempted to say south. (laughs) Like Like I cannot tell you how tempted, how often I wanted to say, that's M1 south, darling, sweetheart. The only thing, the only reason I didn't do it was the misery I would have felt of being single uh, in the future. So I would say to her, get on the M1, it's M1 going north. You see, I could have said to her, get on the M1 going south. And she would have every intention to get to Dewsbury, but she'd have ended up in Leicester. She'd have ended up somewhere else. One day she said to me, do I get onto the M1 going north or do I get onto the M1 going south? I say, where are you going today? She said, I'm going to Lincoln. I said, I wouldn't get on the M1 at all if I was you. I'd think about a different road, not just a different direction. I'd think about a different road altogether. We recently, Jeannie and I, had a conversation and we were just thanking God for his work in somebody who comes to our church who'd had a conversation with me and as I relayed what had happened over their life over the last 10 years, we both said, you know, that's a miracle. 10 years ago, we probably wouldn't have thought that could have ever happened in their life, that they could have never overcome some of the things that they've overcome. Seven years ago, if we'd have had a conversation about what was happening, we might have had a conversation that said something like, I don't think there's any change in this situation. I don't think, I can't see, we can't see any change going on. Five years ago, we might have said, well, it's touch and go. They might make it, they might not. They might get to a place of freedom, but they might, might not. Three years ago, if we'd have had a conversation in, around what was the, this person's life and what they needed, wanting and needed to overcome, we might have said something like, well, I think they're on the right path. Today, that person is free. 
from something that you can only get free of through a miracle. But you know, the key was that they got on the path. That 10 years ago, they set their course and their direction and they allowed Jesus to direct their paths. For a long time, it might have looked like nothing was happening, but God was doing so much behind the scenes that we can only now rejoice in it and believe in it. You see, they allowed Jesus to set the direction of their life. They allowed Jesus to nudge them, to reorient them in this world, to change their attitude, to change their perspective, to change their perception and their thinking. And that direction and that path has led them to a place of freedom. So my question for me and for all of us, where are you and I headed for the next 10 years? Sometimes when you're growing the most, you feel it the least. Sometimes when you're growing the most, you feel it the least, but you're growing because you're on the path. You're on the right path. It's easy to feel like your efforts aren't amounting to anything. Sometimes there are things and they can make you feel stupid. You get on the path and you think, this just feels stupid. But it's those very things that lead you towards the success and the aim and the goal and the purpose that God has for your life. Have you ever noticed how that the something that you desire can be hidden within something you dread? Have you ever noticed that? Like salad or exercise. Something that you desire can be hidden in something that you dread. Sometimes when you're growing the most, you can feel it the least. It's called the principle of the path. Look at this verse, Psalm 37, verse 23. Look at it in the New King James Version. It says this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. What does God delight in? Your steps, the steps of a good man. It doesn't say that God delights in our intentions. Oh, I think he's happy because we've got desires for good things, but he delights and rejoices in our steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Steps, not intention. And so my question is, can God direct our steps? Can he direct my steps today? Can he direct my steps this week? Can he direct my steps this month? Can he direct my steps in every year of my life? Can he direct my steps this year and and the next decade? See, if I was to ask you today, can God save your soul? I'm pretty sure that most people in all our locations would say, of course, please save my soul. I I need God's love. I need God's forgiveness. I need his acceptance. I need his grace. I need his kindness. Of course he can save my soul. Please come and save my soul. But I'm asking today, can he direct your steps? Because what if directing your steps is actually the same thing as saving your soul? What if directing your steps is the same thing as saving your soul? For what? Because what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his reason for existence, his meaning, his soul, his passion, his desire for what God has for him? Direction trumps intention. Imagine 10 years of God directing your steps. Just just imagine it right now. 10 years of God directing your steps. Oh, you make mistakes. All right, that's the religious crowd are over here. We've established that now. You're going to make mistakes. 
in the media room, you're going to make mistakes. Like you're going to make mistakes, but 10 years of God directing missteps doesn't mean that you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you're not going to wander. It doesn't mean you're not going to make some bad decisions. But what it does mean is that you let Jesus grab your shoulders and say, come on, boy. Come on, girl. Let's get back on the path. It it means that you let him nudge you, nudge you forward, nudge you in the right direction. Tell you that you're one degree off, so you need to adjust by two degrees to get back. That's what Jesus directed. And imagine 10 years of God directing your steps, a whole decade of God. I, I, I think there's some good things on that 10 year path, don't you? So don't aim low, aim right. Let God direct your steps because direction trumps intention. The second thing I think Jesus wants us to know this morning is this dedication outlasts inspiration. Dedication outlasts inspiration. I mean, like, I am so good, honestly, no joke, at getting inspired. Anybody with me? I, I really am. I'm so good. Like, 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 I'm telling you the truth now. I'm not preaching, right? Um, that's a joke. That's a joke. Two people got it. Like, every day I get inspired about something. I have a rush of excitement about something every day of my life. I can't, I can't think. I, can, I, can, I literally cannot think of a day of my life where I've not felt a rush of excitement about something every day. Some days I get a rush of excitement about painting. I think I'm going to buy a canvas. I'm going to buy some new colours and I'm going to throw some paint at a canvas. I mean, like I'm even excited about it now, but I hardly ever paint. Sometimes I get excited about reading and, and I do read, read a lot, but sometimes I wake up and, and I think I'm going to read this or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, I'm going to read this, this stuff and I maybe don't complete what I thought I would do. Believe it or not, some days I get excited about exercise. And if you want a body like mine, you too need to get excited about No, I'm joking. <laughs> I get excited, but I exercise so little. I, I, sometimes I can get so excited about, you know, exercise and getting fitter. And, but there's that piece of cheese. <laughs> Anybody else got that piece of cheese? And it can talk. <laughs> I love you, Paul. <laughs> it can talk, it can smile, it can do all kinds of things. It's just a piece of cheese, but it speaks to me. And I speak back, I love you too. My love for you is only going to be determined whether I put you between two slices of bread or I just take you as you are. <laughs> Literally every day of my life I'll have a rush of excitement about something. Genuinely, I will. But I am amazed at how quick that excitement can dissipate, aren't you? Here's, I've got a takeaway for you today. If you don't get anything else from this message, this is it. Get your pens, papers, phones, pictures, whatever you need. This is what you need to take away. It's coming on the screen. Most of the time, Richard Branson isn't being brilliant. I read a book recently. I got inspired to read and I I did read and I read a book and, and in the book, this guy talks about how he got to spend two or three days with you know, this entrepreneur, billionaire entrepreneur, 
and was then asked, what was the big takeaway for you? What was the big thing? And he said this, most of the time, Richard Branson isn't being brilliant. He's just dedicated to the task. Consider the flowers of the field, the lilies of the field. Most of the time, they're not being brilliant. Most of the time, you can't see them because they're just a seed and then they're hidden and then there's a process and then they're a weak little seedling but they have this moment of brilliance. If I today had a seed and a flower and I said to you, I mean the seed wouldn't be that big but I said here's the seed and here's what this seed turns into a flower. If I said to you, how many of you believe that that seed could become a flower like that? Nobody would argue. Because you know that whilst most of the time that seed will not be noticed, it won't be seen, it'll be hidden away, given the right process, the right time, that seed will have its moment of brilliance. That seed is you. That seed is you. That actually dedication in the right environment, planted in the right place, over a period of time with the right process, you will have your place moment of brilliance. Dedication is a process for me, for, for you. It's a process for us as a church, whether we're in Derby or Sheffield, wherever we are. And it's, a, it's, a, it's just dedication to the path. It's dedication to the process because God's intention are greater than ours. God's dreams are bigger than ours. His, his intentions are greater than those of other people. I don't know if you've discovered this in life and it may only be my experience, but my experience is that there's only a few people in life who really want you to fly. Most people don't even want you to be average. They want you to be below average. There's, but there's a few people in life, there's a few people who you'll come alongside of. And I think there's hundreds of people, let's say, in Icon Church that this would be true of, that actually want you to fly. But dedication to the process is what causes us to shine. Refusing to aim low and dedicating ourselves. You see, successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. Consistently what others do. The band can come back because I'm finished. I got kind of one more set of questions. Is that all right? I know I've asked you a lot of questions today. But is it okay? Thanks. Saying yes to one thing means saying no to something else, doesn't it? Saying yes to that body means I've got to say to that piece of cheese, I love you too, but it's not going to happen. I'm married. (laughs) But saying yes to one thing means saying no to something else. So help me out here. So if we were to say yes to a faith-filled future, have you got any thoughts on what we have to say no to? Help me out. Preach, preach the message with me. If we say yes to being committed, have you got any thoughts on what we have to say no to? If we say yes to building people and speaking well of people, have you got any thoughts on what you have to say no to? Because saying yes to something means you have to say no to something else. Saying yes to trusting this next decade into God's hands and saying God's in control, whatever, Any thoughts on what we have to say no to? If that's going to be the path we walk? 
saying yes to a decade of God directing my steps. Any thoughts on what you have to say no to? And my last question is, which is easier? Yes or no? Yes is easier, isn't it? Yes is easier. Yes is easier than no. I mean, I could have preached. I just could have come and preached and like stirred you up at the beginning of your new year. I could have preached for a response, for a shout, for applause. I can do that, you know. Thanks for your agreement. (laughs) I could have come and say, God's about to do something in this decade that you've never seen before. God's about to move your life to a whole nother level. Because God is able to, see, I'm getting the response right now. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. You think you've seen a miracle? God wants to tell you you've seen nothing yet because He's about to take you somewhere you have never been before. You can't stop yourself. You're getting stirred up, aren't you? I could have come and preached for a response, but I came and preached for a decision. And the decision today is I want to say yes to something. You've got to say no to something else. If you, there was two messages I'd love you to hear if you didn't hear them. There were Sunday night messages recently and uh, if you could catch up with them, it'd be great. Um, the first message was one called See What God Can Do Through You. It's a short message, it's only about 20 minutes and uh, ideally if you can watch it on YouTube, it's great because there's a little bit of basketball going on in there and I'm amazing at basketball, not. <laughs> but the second message is from last Sunday night which Nathan spoke it's called don't get stuck on a plan because we have our plan and then there's God's plan so here's what I believe God wants to do today he wants us to know direction trumps intention and dedication outlasts inspiration there's nothing wrong with intention and inspiration is an incredible thing but direction trumps intention And I want us to have the conviction as a church and have the conviction as individuals that when it comes to our family, we're setting our aim. We're letting God orient us in our aim. When it comes to our work, maybe our ethic, whatever it is in our life, we're letting God direct us and Jesus nudges and move us towards what He has for us. When it comes to business, that we will let God move us forward and set the direction, that we won't aim low in any of these areas of our life. We won't just say, give us what the neighbours have got. We won't just say, everybody's like that. But we'll believe that God has got more for us. When it comes to our purpose, we won't aim low. We won't just think, think that we're here just to exist. Nobody's here just to exist. There's a purpose we won't aim low. When it comes to the will of God for our life, to realise that the glory of God is the aim that He has for our life. That's the glory of God, the aim that He has for us. And to realise that, you know, when you're in the middle of it, everything feels ordinary. Everything feels like there's good, there's bad, there's ugly, there's all kinds of stuff. But behind the scenes, God is working moving us towards the aim and I want us to have the conviction that we will make take a step daily steps weekly steps monthly steps we'll spend a decade on the path because a decade on the path will lead us to a destination with destiny don't aim low today we've thought about how Jesus tells us we're not to aim next week we're going to talk about where Jesus tells us to 
aim. And each week this series will build on the weeks before. And I've been thinking and praying about it, as I said, for four months. And I believe God is orientating, setting us forward so that we can move forward. And I actually believe that as we do this, that the Holy Spirit will impart something to us. We're going to pray in a second and we're going to worship. So why don't we stand together? So I want to pray for us today that we'll know those things, yes, but also that we'll step. We'll, we'll move with the conviction, whether it's in our family, in our business, in our workplace, towards our purpose, the will of God, that we will take the steps we need to take daily, weekly, monthly, annually, decadely into what God has for us. So Father, we thank You for Your Word today. We thank You for Your promise that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and that You delight when we take our steps towards You. And my prayer today is, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us with conviction. Help us to be dedicated. Help us to turn inspiration into dedication. Help us to turn intention into direction for our lives the decade ahead. I thank You that even though we may have wandered, it's super easy for You. You just need a yes from us to bring us back and get us back on that path that can mean we can see You do incredible things. We declare again that You are able to do far exceeding and abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the Holy Spirit who is at work within us. And we believe that today. We pray for our children and we pray for our children's children that they too will know the direction of God and the infilling of the Holy Spirit and they will take steps. We pray for our children who are away from You today, God. We ask You to grab them by the shoulders, Jesus. And we ask You to move them forward to say, come on boy, come on girl, come back, come back to that path, come back to that step, to those steps that You were born into, that You, you were born for. We ask that in Jesus' Name. We pray for the people that we live with, the people that we work with, that they too might know You in fresh and fulfilling ways in the years to come. And we give You all the honour and we give You all the praise and all the glory for all that You can do in Jesus' Name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's worship together. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.